From MattCast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, you're listening to the PDX Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bruden. On today's episode is Carmen Ripley-Wilson, the owner of Beanstalk Children's Resale. So thanks for being on. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, you know, I have two young kids. So the, the idea of a resale store, and we've obviously bought stuff, so I'm interested in getting into that, what the business does. But we'd love for you just to give a little background of you leading up to starting the business and a little overview of the business. Okay. I will give a little bit of a cliff note version. I first went to naturopathic medical school in my 20s and graduated and had a full practice after a wonderful residency here in Portland. So I did 10 years of private practice as a physician. Okay. Working mostly with women, but then that built into seeing their children and their husbands. So it became more of like a family practice. Mm. Um, And that just evolved. And then I had a child and was married and it, I really could only have an income if I sat in front of a patient and saw patients. And yeah. that ended up being more than what I had visioned. I loved the school part, but then the actual practice wasn't just that. It was, we had to do our own billing right. and secretary and yeah. everything all involved. So in an eight hour day, I could only do so much. Mm-hmm. So I just really broke it down. What am I really loving about this? I love the people and I love the business, but I didn't love the all the healthcare aspects of it. I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. can understand that. So what was the shift from that to starting this business? Well, I really just thought about I needed, again, another business. It was a need that because I was the breadwinner in our family. My husband had just started his own contracting business. So okay. he was pretty new mm-hmm. at that. And I thought of the three main things I still think to this day are pretty big in that area, which was pets, children, and food. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't interested in perishable food. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, a, I love pets, but I wasn't that kind of diehard sure. animal person. Yeah. And I was already working with children and families, so that felt the most comfortable. So I looked into, I just kind of fell upon resale. I was looking for a gift for my son for a holiday, and I saw this business, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. I grew up recycling and reusing everything, and mm. I already have a practice that is teaching a lot of that type of information mm-hmm. I'm going to look into this so I create a big business plan I started looking at places to rent and mm-hmm. lease and, but my son was 18 months so just really everything about it was a bad idea honestly <laughs> timing and everything okay. yeah and the student loan that I had and everything going with that so um, we put it off for a year and I workshopped it I just really looked into everything that it would entail and exactly what did I envision it to look like? What would the exact cost be? What could I expect to make and how would I run it? I didn't really know the first thing about retail Mm. at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I found a location I loved, but again, it just, the timing wasn't quite there. Mm -hmm. So I decided in a year if that place was still available and I had done the proper homework, I felt like I would maybe go for it. Okay. And so here we are. Yeah. And so that was 2012. That was 20, yeah, 11-ish. 20, okay. Mm-hmm. So you have two locations now. I have two locations now, yeah, and they're doing really well. Great. Quite successful. So tell me about, um, I want to get into just you know, owning a small business, yeah. you know, how the retail landscape has changed, but how's the reception? I, I feel like Portland, for like a re- children's resale shop, is a good market. 
Yeah, right? Berlin's a great market. Yeah. People are very savvy to resale. They're, it's very environmentally aware, sustainable type of environment. There's a lot of makers in Portland. Yeah. There's a lot of entrepreneurs. Folks want to be savvy with money. They just think that way naturally. Mm-hmm. I think so. It's quite easy mm-hmm. to tap into those different markets. Right. I found. What's one of the biggest challenges from? For me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel but, like you know, small. I interview some people that work for yeah. big companies, but with the heart of, I really feel the community here. You know, not just tech companies, but small business, right? So yeah. I'd love just to get your take on that. Now you've been operating it for yeah. eight years, yeah. right? Well, that's interesting because one of the one of the questions I would ask. I interview a lot of people before I take on things to try to get gleam information. And yeah. I would ask them, what was the most unexpected thing that happened to you that was good? And what was the most unexpected thing that happened as a business owner that wasn't so good? So I could kind of get an idea. And the thing that happened to me that I wasn't sure how it would go that I found the most challenging is really the HR aspect. Because mm. then I felt like, oh, I'm, again, it's not like patient care, but it's people care in a right. different way. And I don't, I didn't have any business experience. I didn't have any management experience at all. And once I opened two stores thinking, oh, that might be twice the work. I only have one child. I don't know what it's like to go from one to two children. It's not <laughs> twice the work, as you probably know. It's, it's ten like times a 10 the times work. Work. <laughs> Yes. So that's what happened. I had two stores with two managers and lots of staff. And all of a sudden I found myself in a position that I didn't feel ready for or skilled for. And so what are some of the things you you did. Did you like reach out to people to, oh, to yeah. help? Or yeah. So that's. I have a couple friends that also own a couple stores. Own two stores each. Like they don't own just one because it's a completely different situation and more complexity. Yeah. And I, through them, I found folks had hired like business advisors and all different supports for them. So I hired a business advisor who has been instrumental in the last three years. Of my well, that that's interesting to me because that's something I'm exploring. I'm just a business of one. Yeah. But. As someone like, you know, you, a lot of these executives that maybe bigger companies have coaches and things or it's training within their own company. So as folks that own small business, it's a little different. Yeah. And so to search outside and find those people, I think is something I'm really interested to see. And what what are some of the things that have been valuable for you from that? Well, I mean, she's available to me, honestly, 24 seven, which I don't, that's just, that's amazing. I could text or call or email at any time. And when I had just it was really, it, for lack of a better word, it was kind of like operating 911 constantly because staff would turn over, things would happen, right. and I just didn't, it would make me panic a little bit. I had to go in and work, but I could only be at one store at a time. So what happens if two people left at both stores? Yeah. It's really stressful. So to hire her, she just was like, you need to restructure everything. So I had to completely in two years restructure both stores 100%. And she helped me find new folks. So now I have a general manager that oversees both stores and she runs the day to day everything. I don't work in the stores at all anymore. Yeah. And um, then she has her staff. And now I work on the business from the other avenues. And she's key, this advisor. Well, it's interesting you say that, right? People say, like, you either work in the business or on the business. And that's a big thing in that, uh, you know, small business. So, how was, I know a lot of folks, Letting go is maybe challenging. Uh, yes. Was that a, a difficult? That's a huge, really, really hard. This is because you, it's your, it is like your child. You have invested everything. You've taken every risk. You know, every little tiny detail of everything that needs to happen. You have the huge vision of what you want to see happen. Now you have all these other folks working for you and it's a job for them. They're coming in and doing these sections. And sometimes you come in and see certain things that aren't done how you would want them done. So you are relinquishing a lot of trust to create the guideline, but then letting them get there how they need to and making sure it still 
going. So that's actually been a really big challenge for me because now I've hand, I'm really handing over the reins completely to my general manager. Yeah, I think that's um, a big, for most people own businesses, yes. yeah. right? It's and, the big next step. And is that this, I assume that's something you, you've kind of worked through over the, over time with your advisor. And have you gotten to the point where you're at night, you're not so maybe stressed <laughs> or? Yeah, you know, this is the first year. Last year I had some pockets where I definitely could work from home. Yeah. But we had, you know, I still had to jump in on some shifts. But this is the first year, these last two months that I truly do not work in the store. And I'm having to redefine my role. Like what's my job description now? And what mm. what are my roles and what do I need to do to see that my GM has everything she needs? I do sleep a lot better. I'm not the one receiving calls that somebody's sick or right. the schedule's getting okay. changed. I don't even hear, I don't even know about it. Yeah. It's so great actually. Well, that person sounds like a superhero. She's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I want to talk about is just kind of the shifting landscape of retail. I mean, obviously since you started this business, eight years ago, it shifted a lot. Let's talk about the in-store yeah, experience and just how that's kind of shifted. Then we'll get on to you yeah. know, online and things, but. Okay. Yeah. Well, we have resale. So resale in my, is different than retail and that yeah. we don't buy everything up front and put it on our shelves. Right. We, people yeah. bring it in. We mm -hmm. choose what we think will do really well and they get 40% of that yeah. and uh, they can get a check or credit or whatever works for them. Mm -hmm. We just try to keep it easy and mm -hmm. fun. So it seems really simple to people. It doesn't overwhelm them. They're already busy parents. They have a lot to think about. Yeah. Just put it in a tub and bring it in and let us do the work for you. Yeah. But we do carry some new items. We just can't keep enough, really. It's rain yeah. here and rain boots in Portland. <laughs> um, we got five pairs. Yeah. Kids, so <laughs> can't have it. too many rain <laughs> yeah. boots. Uh, but compared to... I think in the retail, if you're just only selling new items, mm -hmm. that would be mm -hmm. more tricky and that you're competing with a lot of online options now. Yeah, so you um, feel because, I mean, you're in the business of a little more curation as far as what's coming in to yes. resell. That is something consumers value, especially here locally. They do, and the rate that they can purchase it at is yeah. 30 to 70% off a new rate, and it essentially looks almost like new or is really mm -hmm. great condition. So mm -hmm. they... We use a lot of the online platforms for our pricing program because they're going to look Tell at the store. Tell me about that. Yeah. I thought about like, well, how has Amazon affected us or whatever? And Amazon's actually really beneficial for us because everything's priced there. And we can look to see, well, what did that cost new? What right. are they going to pay for it new? Well, we're just going to pop it down 30 or 40 50 $80. And it's right here in the store. So that's even more convenient. So it's almost like this free platform it for is. you to uh, market. <laughs> yeah. That's a great yeah. use case. I never, I didn't even really think about that. I don't know why, but it seems. And that's where most people go. So that's our main thing. I mean, we can sure. look at Walmart or things yeah. like that, but Amazon is really mm -hmm. where people are going to go because it's convenient and it gets mm -hmm. there in a day, but we're going to lessen the footprint by skip the packaging, skip the delivery. Right. And you and mentioned we'll both your stores are pretty in high, pretty high density area. So I assume yes. that's a big part of your strategy too, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, it's It draws, I was just kind of thinking like folks, if you're on a budget, you're going to usually go to a box store to buy these items for your mm -hmm. children, but you're still going to spend quite a bit of money, but the quality is maybe not as great. Yeah. So we can have the really high quality items for like a box store or less price. So it really is such a right. win. And if if that's how folks are thinking. And plus we just get so many people that are right with the high density. There's a lot of families, a lot of children, a lot of schools. And yeah. And I mean, the thing as you know about people with kids is like, especially when their first kid is like, spare no expense. <laughs> right. Exactly. This brand mm. is the best pajamas in the world. And, yeah. and so, uh, but as you get more kids, you're like, yeah, we still want that brand. Maybe let's go to a resale uh, yes. shop to, to find. That's um, right. So I think that's, 
super valuable. And you'll probably love to learn about some of these parents that are bringing in this, these high-end things that now you get to sell at a really more reasonable price. I would think parents are really excited to come they back love to it. sell and buy yeah, stuff, Yeah, and right? to learn about us. I mean, it's still every day we get a new person that didn't is brand new. They're shopping at the grocery store and saw our store. A lot of times they think it's a new store, so they may not come in at first. And then mm-hmm. they come in and mm-hmm. they're super stoked. They yeah. can find strollers and carriers and right. all the clothing and shoes and bottles and books and toys and everything yeah. for you might buy a whole bunch of stuff for a hundred dollars or two hundred dollars and you would have spent a thousand right so it's a significant do now do you sell any of these items online we don't okay. we've looked at that yeah. but they come in and go out so quickly right it would be a full-time hired job sure. of just photography and E-commerce, posting yeah. and postage i haven't really i just haven't been an avenue that i've I'm really drawn to because it so quickly goes out already that right. I feel yeah. like if you have it on the floor, it could sell while somebody's wanting to buy it online. Like, I'm not sure right. that's the best thing for us. So we target just the local. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are other stores that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. And there's so many more platforms too. Yeah. So yeah, that's and we'll, that's shifting a lot too. You know. Um, so what's kind of, um, as you look at your, your resale business, you know, it's brick and mortar business. Yeah, yeah. What's kind of next steps? What's like, next? how do you yeah. see it growing? <laughs> like, with the shifting of how people are shopping. I mean, obviously, like you said, um, it's in a high density neighborhood, so there's people for traffic and stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm curious. Well, you know, this year our other aspect that we've worked on not only restructuring, it's creating the a culture within Beanstalk amongst our staff and our teamwork. For me, as a solid business, it's really. There's two parts to this question, Mm -hmm. I think. But the first part is really creating the culture within the business so that we have staff and long-term employees that are having a job that they love and making a good living and staying. Because there's a lot of training involved. And for that turnover to happen is is a lot on a Mm -hmm. business. So Mm -hmm. that's a really, really – that's my focus. And as a business owner and working for other people in the past, it's really important that – staff love their work and that they have flexibility and understanding and life happens. And Mm -hmm. I always want to be understanding. I think from a healthcare background, that's really important to me as balance for people's wellness and, and creating a good place for people to work that they love. Yeah. I mean, Um, no matter what size of business people I ask and interview, it's all about that. Yes. And how, I mean, what's going to make you successful, right? So obviously it's, you know, uh, folks that are working, they're in the store. So it's it's not like they can work from home for you, right? right? right. So even making that experience, you know, like like you were saying, the focus on their well-being and some flexibility where you can. I I love that mindset. It's important. It's really, really important to me and really valuable to me as a person and Mm -hmm. where I come from and my beliefs is Mm -hmm. people first Mm -hmm. and my staff and the customers, the consigners first, always so, so important to me Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, that's what we all are. We're Mm -hmm. all the same. We're just people trying to make our way. Right. So that's really important. And then the second piece is where do I want to see Beanstalk go and grow? And I learned a lot opening two stores. There's a lot. And there's been a lot of resellers that have opened and closed because it's a lot of work. It's different than retail. I don't just order 100 items, throw a sticker on them, and put them on the wall. <laughs> yeah. It is different. There's yeah. so many moving You have to be so knowledgeable. Pieces. And like you said, curating yeah. as people come in to sell it, what you know. Yeah. And, and people are bringing in their most precious items that their most precious people wore on the planet. So there's a lot of emotion there sometimes for folks to part with things. Well, let's talk about that because yeah. I, <laughs> as we, we do do some resell stuff. We'll bring it in. And sometimes... Uh, my wife and I are like, this, we're keeping this shit. We're like, yeah. it's going to sit in a box <laughs> for 30 years. 
but this There's is an important to this attachment, right. and it is strange. And the it's memory. Just, it's just an item, right? It's just, it's just an item. Um, but I can understand that. But you have to yeah. be very tactful in how you take items, but then you're saying no to items. And that's sometimes where folks can be really hurt that you didn't right. take something. So yeah. it is how the delivery is of the no thank yous. Yeah. Um, isn't personal because we want to sell it for you but if we can't sell it and I have five people put work on the item and it goes on the floor it's actually a significant loss for the business so those complexities and those people aspects really make a big difference Mm -hmm. and then how do I grow now to more stores with training more people or Mm -hmm. what's my capacity for that really and as far as from the technology standpoint in your stores you know it's funny how you said you use Amazon for some pricing um, a tool uh, are there other platforms that are people like pitched you like this is going to help you resell to pick what sells? And oh, so I'm just curious yeah, if there's like yeah, yeah. these That's, things out there. I'd assume there's. Well, we're far, we're or? pretty tech savvy there, and yeah. that um, a lot of the resale shops when I was researching did a lot of everything by paper, and I yeah. knew instantly I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want everything accessible from my phone or my laptop. Yeah. Because yeah. um, the goal is it to not be about me. Mm-hmm. Being a physician, it was me. Mm-hmm. I, it was I'm selling me and my. Mm-hmm. what I could help people with. So the one-on-one, this had to be about Beanstalk, mm-hmm. not about a person. Yeah. And so I wanted everything to be computerized. Everything you sold was scanned and went through as so reports yep. and all of that piece. So you have all the inventory <clears throat> system in yeah. there. We and have a point of y- sale. We can draw reports on everything. So I could look at numbers and evaluate and know how to grow and right. kind of build my own business library of yeah. Where's this going to go? And so I, you really do utilize that data yeah, as far absolutely. as uh, what's going on in your stores. Absolutely. And, I know what brands, what categories of clothing bring in the most amount of money at what times of the year. Okay. And so you know what to take and what not to take and when to take it. Yeah. Um, and I love data. I mean, I'm a science yeah. background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love data. I mean, it's huge. You can gather it for anything and then it's about utilizing it and how you think about it. Sure. Um, and that's my favorite part is I love the business part mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. So I'm always looking and thinking and reading that. Well, so. let's, what's the, what are the top three or four things that are maybe brands that sell? Can you share some yeah. of that stuff? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Mini Bowden and Baby Bowden are probably one is definitely a very popular brand. Okay. The quality's well made. The colors are fun. The patterns are parents and children like them. Mm-hmm. And it, it just lasts a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's a really big brand for us. Okay. Um, Hannah Anderson, of course, does great. They make covers a couple sizes, which is helpful so your kid can wear it. It can get shorter and still look perfect, yeah. which is what you need because the kids are growing up. Father's <sighs> full of Hannah Anderson stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's a great. The yeah. shape, it's not. It fits all children really well, and the yeah. colors, and again, the quality of the fabric, so it holds up really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, the third, probably most popular brand, is the Tea Collection brand. Um, again, it's a nice cotton, has lots of fun patterns. It fits. It's different. Hannah's a little more boxy, I tend to think, okay. and Tea's a little more. Narrowish, okay. but sometimes you have more petite children that right. want a style that's a little more fitted that way. Okay. Um, but those are probably our three top brands, and just they sell great. Yeah, for such a discount, right? I mean, families really can't go wrong, and then they can put them through two or three children. So the clothing's getting such a long life, mm-hmm. and the whole goal is to keep it out of the waste stream and mm-hmm. to give it more life. And then if we don't take the item. We donate it to charities that give it to families oh, that great. do need it. So we're not we're not taking, again. It's not getting ever sold again. It's going to be given away at this point. Okay. If we don't take it. Yeah, <clears throat> that's, that makes sense. And I'm curious. You know, Hannah is a, a local brand as far mm-hmm. as like the, the headquarters here. But are there other 
brands, even like small independent brands, you know, the kids brands here? Gosh, that's a good question. Sometimes I'm so caught in all these other things. I yeah. don't stop to think as much about that spot, as I could. No. Yeah. Kinda, but there's, I, mean, I mean, there's local artists yeah. that make really lovely, wonderful things. And we carry a lot of that. Gannett and Sage makes a baby line of bibs and yeah. um, things like that. And Lofty Poppy makes a line of fleece hats and mittens and the, toys and things like that. So yeah. we tr- that's if we're going to go local, we try to support the maker. Yeah. And there's, there's that's kind of, an important piece yeah, i think and that's this is a big maker community and there's like yeah. i was gonna say there's a company i've interviewed before in vancouver called slumberkins i've never heard of them oh, huh. they make like books and they're former teachers and so they have a lot of education mm. poured into like these um companions kind of stuffies oh, they use I'll it's really it's re- yeah it's okay. a really cool brand well i always like to kind of wrap up asking about portland and yeah. just you know the theme of a lot of this podcast is business wise for folks like you that have been in business for a little while how we've changed, how it's mm-hmm. been good for mm-hmm. you, or how mm-hmm. it's challenges. Mm-hmm. So as, as you've seen, you know, having these stores, you, we've kind of gone through this little bit of a boom, right? Yeah. Uh, how's that affected you? And just some thoughts on as we grow. Yeah, yeah. Related that's to business. Right, right. Uh, well, I love Portland. I think I've been here 20 years now, and uh, it has changed over, then we can talk, you know, you know the obvious things. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I, I love Portland. I still love Portland. I know some people feel indifferent to that because of traffic or Mm -hmm. housing or Mm -hmm. cost of living and Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, But it's still such a welcoming community for the entrepreneur that wants to try something, anything. I think the communities are very supportive of let's try to support that person because they tend to then provide jobs for four, five, 10, 50 people. And I think um, it's just, it's fun. I mean, Portland has a lot to offer. It really still does. It's it's grown so fast. Mm -hmm. I want us to catch up. Mm-hmm. to make the day-to-day commute and things a little easier. But it is such a wonderful place Yeah, and, um, and, 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 not just, and when I say Portland, I always say the Portland metro area, obviously. Um, we're out here in the Burbs where my office is. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming out here. Yeah. And there's a lot going on out here too, yeah. especially uh, a lot of tech companies, obviously with like Intels and stuff are sticking around this side of town. So it's, it's I always say it's an exciting place. You know, it is. There's yeah. kind of these little bubbles everywhere, yeah. right? If you don't look outside, you may not even know what's in that bubble over yeah, there. For sure. Um, Again, your store locations mm-hmm. are? I have <clears throat> two stores, 15th and Fremont in Northeast Portland, right next to Whole Foods and Albina Library. Mm-hmm. And the second one is on Montevilla, the east side of Mount Tabor. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank Carmen. you so much for having me. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.